You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week, we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. This week, we welcome Priya, Danielle, and Hannah, accomplished former behavior technicians turned BT recruiters. Priya embarked on her ABA therapy journey in 2014, swiftly ascending to the role of lead RBT at two different ABA providers. Driven by her dedication to children's well-being, Danielle transitioned from behavior technician to a senior recruiter, linking skilled ABA professionals with families in need. Lastly, Hannah, holder of a BS in psychology from Dallas Christian College, possesses a rich background as a BT, RBT, and RBT trainer with a seamless pivot to the administrative side of ABA. She brings two years of recruitment expertise driven by her passion for nurturing child development. Today at ABS Kids, they collaboratively usher new talents into the ABA world, sourcing exceptional behavior technicians to uplift children and families. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle, Hannah, and Priya. Hi, thank you. Well, I'm excited to talk about, you know, a, your journeys and what brought you into ABA, because to go from a position where you're doing all the work to wanting to be able to bring people along on your path and to experience everything that you all were able to experience, achieve, and be a part of, I think that's amazing, but it's your story. So maybe I can give you all just a chance, and we'll start with Danielle, is, you know, can you tell me what brought you into the field? What made you interested in being a behavior technician to begin with, with children with autism? Yeah. So I always loved working with kids and wanted to do that in some capacity. So every assessment I've ever taken has talked, like has always pointed me towards helper roles. I'm a natural, I have a natural tendency to be a caregiver. So I knew that's where I really wanted to go. Um, I, uh, my major in college was psychology and sociology. So after um, college, I wanted to do early childhood education, and then I found out about this. So um, I started as a BT in 2010, and I immediately fell in love with the kids and the families I was working with, and I've remained in the field ever since in some capacity. And it's such a, a common story is that we we start with that service orientation, mm-hmm. yet our backgrounds of how we got there is often so different. And Hannah, I mean, did you follow the same path, or is yours a little bit different? Yeah, so kind of similar, but different in a way, because I had no idea what ABA therapy was. Um, You know, I first got involved in ABA in 2017, um, and I was a senior in college at the time. And so similar background to Danielle, had a was working on my degree in psychology, um, and I was a part of one of the few colleges that require you to do an internship to graduate with your bachelor's. Um, So I had to seek out an internship that was in line with some of my career goals. Um, And at the time, I had a ton of experience working with kids, have always been passionate about working with kids, but I didn't think I would go this route. I actually wanted to be a sports psychologist. So I thought I was going to be like um, a coach that, you know, was either teaching youth or helping with like professional athletes overcome mental blockages that were inhibiting their performance and things like that. So I thought I was going to go that route, um, but didn't find a lot of opportunities to do specifically what I wanted uh, to incorporate psychology into that. Um, So I actually got the opportunity to do an internship at an ABA company. 
um, and then fell in love with it. And so I've been involved ever since. Um, I really enjoyed aspect of just seeing the kiddos make progress and being able to practically utilize um, skills that I learned in my undergrad. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved in the field and, and still love it. Well, I share I share parts of that journey as well is that uh, I started out in the psych field, um, had no idea that I'd fall into servicing children with autism. And uh, it's it's funny, my my daughter and I talk about this all the time is that something hits you where all of a sudden it's like, gosh, I fit here. Like this is this is exactly what I should be doing. And that's that's the path that I fell. And I, I rolled into ABA the same way. So it's kind of it's it's unique are all of our experiences, but it's a little bit different. And Priya, I mean, did you have that same was yours academically based or did you have any of that, you know, connection with this is this is who I want to serve? Yeah, so I always knew I wanted to help someone. So I did have a psychology degree um, while I was an undergrad. No one told me about ABA and I wish I had learned more, heard about the field, which was pretty disappointing because a lot of people that are getting psychology degrees don't even know this field exists. Um, so four years after I fell into the field, after I had a psychology degree and I was kind of like, what do I do? I want to help people. Um, I was applying for jobs, found out about ABA, shadowed. The clinical director allowed me to shadow um, a couple of kiddos and I loved it. And I've always been an ABA since, like to this day in some kind of way. So I was an BT to RBT to lead RPT in the six years I did therapy. Um, I, I'm very passionate about it. I know it works. It's data driven. Uh, even when I talk in interviews to, um, you know, candidates, I'm like, it's such a cool field. You have to like see it to believe it because you're going to see your clients like progress and uh, quality of life like really improve. So um, I fell into it. I had no idea it existed. I'm so glad <laughs> that I got to have a clinical director that gave me a chance to kind of shadow the kids and see how special it was. It's, it's amazing is that yeah. as a behavior technician is that you get to experience yeah. all of these gains as if you're part of that family, part of that stakeholder experience. And each one of the celebrations yeah. across yeah. all your clients is one that you get to feel personally, which you don't get in that many jobs. So yeah. it's, it is that cool experience that I think that you were describing, Priya, that, you know, it it's in, it's empowering. It's empowering for them. It's empowering for you as, as an individual to get to feel all that. It As you guys start, started talking about everything that you went through to get to where you were and moving into the recruiting role eventually to share your experience, I do want to go back and talk about the role of a BT, where it might have been when I started, where honestly it was more science than it was art. There is a lot of you're following this very strict script and you're going to take data. And this is how exactly you have to reinforce. This is how exactly you have to correct. I don't think that we're looking for that same clinician anymore. And and Danielle, I know that you had, had mentioned that you've been in the field for 10 years plus potentially is that you might have had a similar experience that I had where you saw some of that change. Do you mind kind of going, up, who was that BT? What was the skill set 10, 20 years ago compared to who it is now? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely changed so much since the time when I first started. Um, it was very rote. 
years ago. Uh, you had to follow exactly what we were doing. You couldn't really deviate from the plan at all. And now I feel like we're looking for people who are like very, um, very innovative, adaptable, being able to really connect with the child that you're working with and being able to kind of um, ignite that spark, create a bond so that you're able to draw out those things during your sessions. And before it was more, let's sit at the table. Everything has to be very rote. You're doing it all the exact same way. Um, and now I think different um, BTs and RBTs on the team have their own unique way of being able to connect to the kids that they're working with, and they all bring their own unique approach to that session. So um, we're definitely, it's definitely changed a lot for the better, and we're looking for different things now. And Priya, I mean, what Danielle is describing probably is not an easier job than what I walked into. I mean, I was told what to do, and I just followed it. It was super easy for me back 20 years ago when, when it kind of was a, a growing science. Are you are you trying to find people with a different level of skill sets? Because not only do they have to do what I did, but it sounds like they're being asked to do a little bit more nowadays. Yeah, we like to look for candidates that think on their feet that are able to be like adaptive, like we said, a little uh, goofiness, personality to them um, to relate to our kiddos. Uh, they have to be a little fun. You have to build rapport with our kiddos. You have to be playful. Um, they're not going to want to listen to someone place demands if they don't have that rapport with a, a BT or IVT. So um, we do look, we ask very situational questions to see a little personality in our interviews, which is really cool to see now. Um, so if they don't have that type of personality where they can be playful, even in an interview setting, which is different, um, then probably not a great candidate for the role. Um, it is a hard job. It's one of the hardest jobs I've ever had because you do have to be, it's a physically demanding job. It's mentally demanding as well. It's going to take a lot out of you, but the reward is it's so fulfilling and rewarding because you do get to see all the progress that our kiddos make. So yeah, we look for different things than a, a, a typical job would ask for. Yeah. And with those things that you're looking for, it's it seems like there's a learning curve. Is I mean, if you were to have asked me as a as a 28 year old who had not necessarily had my own children at that point and had probably not engaged with a lot of children from ages 22 to 28 because I was on a different psych path, if you asked me to be super silly, not care about what others were thinking about me in the environment and throw it all out on the table in order to create that nurturing environment, it it seems daunting. Uh, but Hannah, I mean, you have this passion for that child development, the nurturing of relationships. And how do you kind of look to see, is that within me as, as, a, as somebody who wants to come into the field is, can I do this? Is it, is it gonna be overwhelming? I, I, do I have a play skill left in me anymore? Yeah, I know. I love that question. Um, I think what us recruiters, um, you know, me, Danielle, Priya, anyone else, we on the team that have that experience in the field, having worked as a behavior technician and also know the fact that we know that you do have to have that like heart posture to be caring for the kids and have to put like constantly yourself out there to be able to put that child's best interest um, into perspective, like you kind of pick up on that vibe in other people, um, especially whenever you're talking with them over an interview, you can really see the passion shine through in the call versus when it doesn't. Um, you know, whenever they're able to share stories of different situations they've been in with 
you know, children that they've nannied or babysat or whenever they've worked in other caregiving positions, you know, what are their favorite memories in those roles? And are those memories like kind of resonating with things, memories that they would create in a position like this one? Um, so I think you really see those qualities shine through in someone's personality when you're talking to them because we've we've lived it. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's one of, probably one of the main ways I identify that in, in an interview with a candidate. Yeah, and I think their ability to be like very innovative, like um, sometimes like you never know how a session's going to go. So maybe you're outside and a child starts to get upset and a stick becomes a wand, you know, being able to like really, really utilize what you have around you and make it fun and engaging. So those sessions are just something that the child's looking forward to. Um, I had a client that I worked with and in our early days, he hated me. So we went through this whole process of we had a really hard time transitioning from the school bus to our sessions. So during that first like 10 minutes of the session, he had a really hard time. There was a lot of biting and just not wanting to uh, participate. So I had to think about how can I make this fun? What are things that he loves that I can help bring into the session? So um, he really loved unboxing videos. You can watch them on YouTube. It's like uh, kids are opening up boxes of toys and he absolutely loved that. So each session I would bring a little box and there would be like an item inside the box. And that's how we were transitioned. He got to open his unboxing video and then we'd go into the session and he loved me after that. So it took us a long time to become friends, but we finally did. And it just took some, you know, playing around with it to see what really sparked joy in him and drew out his interests. I love that. We had a, we had a podcast not too long ago talking about some of those skills that you learn by by working in the field. And part of what you're describing, I think, is it's something that we're looking for people to have, but also something that we'll cultivate. It's that flexibility. It's the joining of somebody else's world. Like who here doesn't benefit from having perspectives outside of their own little line of thinking? Like all of these skills are, are such powerful things. It's just focusing now towards how do I incorporate those skills into a into treatment that used to be pure strict science rote you described it and now we're trying to say how do we bring the fun in how do we bring that child's world into it so we're joining them and not forcing them to join us so what are some of those key challenges and and Priya maybe I'll throw this at you is that day-to-day -day work it's it's going to be ups and downs. I mean, you're, you're working with children who are trying their hardest to learn new skills. And you're talking about therapists trying to figure out how in the world am I going to join this child in the adventure of establishing a new repertoire? So what are some of the day-to-day -day challenges that we need to be aware of that are going to be constantly faced within this role? I think it, a lot of it is mentally being prepared. Uh, you're going in not sure if your kiddo is going to really like you that day, even if you have a regular session with them every day of the week. Um, every, you know, every day can be up in the air with any kiddo based on what they didn't get sleep the night before, if they're on different medications, if they didn't get the snack they wanted right before they got to you, things like that. Um, I had a kiddo, a two-year-old newly diagnosed, and we were, the clinic wasn't open yet, so we we're doing in-home sessions. So his mom was there, his favorite person. It was so hard to build a rapport with mom there <laughs> because he didn't want to come near me. And so I think after two weeks of me sitting there and playing, best YouTube videos I could find and best songs and singing along. Um, 
mom was right there and he just wanted to be in her lap. So I had asked her very politely, hey, could you go downstairs and like make lunch for him? And that's how we got to build rapport together is because we finally removed mom a little, just gave a little distance for me to be his friend, for him to choose me a second place, which I'll take any day <laughs> compared to mom. Um, but we became besties. He was considered... Um, you know, he was regressing verbally. And so he went nonverbal and started manding like within a few months, one word man's jumping and doing all these fun things that he never tried before tumbling class, jumping on a trampoline, uh, swinging on a swing and asking for those things. Um, so it was really challenging. I mean, you can't take it personally. Um, that's the thing. It's not like they just coming in wanting to dislike you. They don't know you. And we're coming in, placing a whole bunch of demands, trying to build skills and making them work, you know, essentially, uh, which maybe in, in, at home, they're not working, they're playing, they're getting everything they want. And we're kind of putting boundaries on those things. Like you can get this after we work on this for five minutes and things like that. So if having a lot of compromise, um, the ability to learn every day, ABA is a field where you learn something new every day. I had a clinical a supervisor told me I was so behavioral and I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> But she was like, no, you have to be able to compromise. Uh, and I was like, she's so right. I should be able to like give choices. And, you know, if this doesn't work out, try something else. So it was a, it was a way for me to learn to receive feedback well, compromise, and don't take it personal. If you have anything in your personal life, you're almost forced to leave it at the door when you play with your kiddos. You forget about everything else. So it's such a cool way to learn about yourself, too, because then you're like, oh, I'm too stern or I'm too like this. And you can kind of put yourselves in the child's footprint and say, you know, they're at a place where they're not used to this. They're not used to the structure. They're not used to these skills. Everything's brand new and you're also a brand new person to them. So um, just not taking personally and being able to compromise is a big, big quality to have. No, absolutely. And I mean, when I'm thinking about just the when you all shared where where you started in the field, and how you got to get where you are, most of our journey started with not even really knowing what ABA was. And I'm in the same boat as that, you know, I was a psych major and we didn't do a lot of ABA yeah. in psych, is that we were looking at different components of psychology, which help now, but we didn't focus on ABA. So when I'm looking at, you know, the skills that you're describing, there are a whole list of people out there with experiences in different jobs that probably have the opportunity to start a clinical career because they have some of those core skill sets that create a wonderful clinician. Um, and Hannah, as I think through this, I'm thinking, you know, people who have done uh, a lot of babysitting, people who have worked in childcare, child development, psychology, education, there's a, there's a litany of opportunities out there. What are the core skill sets, no matter what profession you're starting out on, that say, you know what, I have this in my repertoire. I might become a wonderful ABA clinician and I can learn the techniques on the way, but I'm coming with those core skills that are going to make me wonderful at my job. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, when evaluating candidates, we definitely look at like the difference between things that are teachables versus not teachables. And I think there's a lot of aspects of the behavior technician position that, you know, you can teach data collection, you can teach someone to read a care plan and follow like certain set, you know, guidelines, but the energy that it takes to show up and, you know, 
work with that child every day and be resilient and be adaptable and, um, you know, have that playfulness, you know, be bubbly and communicate well. Like those are things that may not be as easily teachable. And so we look for those in candidates um, and previous experiences that are sometimes not even working with kids. You know, a lot of, um, you know, people that have experience in customer service do really well in this position because they've had to learn how to meet people's needs. They've had to learn how to communicate well, de-escalate challenging situations whenever dealing with angry customers and things like that. So um, I think we really look for those core values of adaptability, um, communication skills, uh, energy, and resilience. Um, when it comes to um, this position, as well as like um, people with sports backgrounds, like I can attribute to this because, you know, I grew up playing sports and, you know, you have to have a lot of those qualities to be able to work with a team and be able to reach a common goal. And you use a lot of those skills as a behavior technician, too. So there's a wide variety of positions that, you know, can adapt into a role like this one, not just um, individuals that have, you know, backgrounds in psychology like us, we are fortunate. Um, but yeah, the, I, I would say those are like the core things that we look for. Yeah. And when you look at autism as a diagnosis is that it's so broad. I mean, there's going to be clients and recipients of care that kind of span the gamut on all types of service and needs as we go through it. So I would, I would imagine is that, you know, if you're playful, if you're creative, if you're able to problem solve, and you're you're organized is that you kind of have those four characteristics that then are going to be you're going to be able to learn around all the other components and go from being a BT to a lead RBT potentially to a recruiter potentially to a BCBA potentially all the way to directing services because you're seeing that passion grow from that initial you know I'm here to serve all the way through I served, I learned, and now I can contribute back as a as a programmer, as a leader, which I think is incredible. Um, Danielle, when when we're talking about that blending of the science with that playfulness that Hannah just described, what does that what does that look like, feel like from a behavior technician? Because you you do have to run programs. So how do you how do you match it to that child's desires that that what makes that child happy, engaged? How do you match that up as a BT? Yeah. So I think one thing too, picking back off what Hannah said was um, sometimes in the interview we have people who join and they say, I've never done this before. I have no idea. Like I don't know how I've never had an interaction with a kid or something like that. And I always tell them to go with their instinct. Go with your gut. Like what is your show me what your instinct would would I like tell you to do. And then from there, you really see them draw out and say, well, with my niece or nephew, this is how I engage with them or this is how I interact. And they end up being a wonderful fit for the role because they have that natural instinct to work with kids, but they might not have had like that traditional background experience. So um, usually going from your instinct is like the best fit for that. But um, in incorporating with a lot of the kids that I worked with, we worked a lot on pairing, like what things draws out the client. So there are ways to incorporate that into the sessions in fun ways. Um, I had a kiddo that I worked with who hated swimming and he started off where um, he was at um, with a swim instructor who just kind of threw the kids in the pool and was like, let's see if you sink or swim. And that created a huge aversion for him. So one of the things that we worked on during our sessions was trying to create like this approachability to even like touching the water again. He loved um, sea creatures like you know anything with the ocean 
starfish, stingrays, octopus, all of that. He loved all of that. So we were able to still work on the targets that we had while incorporating that in. So I would say, pretend pretend you're a jellyfish or what would, what would a stingray do? And kind of make the pool, which was so scary to him, be more approachable. And it actually ended up being um, really fun for him because then he would pretend that he was a sea creature in the aquarium and work on all of his targets. And um, he swims like a fish now. And we were able to get the task done, but make it fun and engaging and interesting for the kid that I was working with. Well, I, I applaud the way that you went through that because, I mean, teaching swimming, we could either be creating an aversion for life towards water, or we start to understand who that child is, who what they care about, what their motivators are, and we can create a whole new opportunity for them that they can explore on their own in the future by helping them to learn this new skill of swimming. It's, it, it, it is one of those you know, life-changing opportunities to be able to look at behavioral science and figure out how somebody learns and then embed that into everything that's going on in their life so that they can really start to accelerate their opportunities and feel empowered to be able to enter into whatever it is they hope to be able to do. Um, I'd love to hear from each of you, and, and maybe we'll start with Hannah, go to Priya, and then wrap up with Danielle. But I want to I want to know just from your experience, it is hard work. There is a lot of effort to be able to kind of do the creativity, take data, be consistent with everything that you're trying to do to support a program. But there are payoffs. There's the intrinsic payoffs. There's the payoff for the family and the child. I'd love to hear just one story from from each of you, if you, if you don't mind, that kind of puts into perspective that you know all these small gains they add up to something and priya do you mind starting us off yeah i mean i have a story so i had a favorite client even though we're not supposed to have favorite clients that i still think about to this day i used to do in-home sessions with him he was curricular uh curriculum wise he was excellent at school um didn't have a lot of friends very to himself, fixated on certain things. And we were teaching conversational skills, talk about things that he wasn't interested in, how we can keep going, try to make it as natural as possible. So I would talk about like my real life situations. I was like, hey, you know, Corey and I went to the park to play basketball yesterday. He was like, oh, okay, what park did you go to? And I was like, continuing, we go back and forth. He was getting the gist of it. Eventually I stopped talking about Corey and, <laughs> and talking about other people, other, other people he knew, he was like, it was so interesting because he caught up that I stopped talking about Corey. He was like, did you and Corey break up? And I was like, <laughs> caught off guard. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what a natural, great opportunity that he noticed this. And he continued with the conversation. But I was caught off guard. I was like, yes, we broke up. <laughs> but I'm, I play with, I go to Miss, I go with Miss Caitlin to the park now. Or we go to the coffee shop and things like that. And he actually went onto his parents' Facebook page and messaged me recently. It has been years since I worked with him. So the fact that he still remembers me um, and he, the message he wrote was so good. Like I was so proud of him. He was like, I'm 14 now. We should meet up, but you know, if my parents approve and things like that. Um, so that's just like one of the big things of like, you can have clients that contact you years later since you're not an RBT later, but you can see they're like how they are like years down the line. We eventually discharged him because I think we wanted him to have friends more than he wanted to have friends. And then we we're like, that's the only like obstacle we had. And then we realized he's happy 
as he is. And so we discharged him, which I think is also a great thing for a clinician to be able to do, um, to have that, uh, just make me like look back at him. I mean, he was seven. I think he's 14 now. Um, and just have him messaging me, finding me on Facebook <laughs> the way he did was pretty awesome. So I love that. It's like one of the things that I love. All the skills that I've learned as an RBT, I'm not a mom. I don't have children. I have friends that are married with children. I can potty train anyone's kid. I can decrease any problem behavior. I am called to the rescue. And I like that about myself. So <laughs> um, I've, I, I always tell people in interviews, these are skills you're going to have with you with, for life. You can teach any skill. You know, mm -hmm. like it's really awesome to have a skill, even if you have kids or not. So yeah. Yep. And and you actually you probably embarked on the client centered approach to to learning before the field caught up with you. And I mean, it's one of those things that you meet, you're you're sitting there you're like, I don't think that he wants to have friends. But yeah. you gave him the skill that when he chose to have friends, he reached back out to you <laughs> and felt empowered to do so. So yeah. it's like, you know, there's there's all these components of you know, even even those small gains where it's like, yeah. you know, I, I stopped on this because I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And I wanted to respect where where he is in his journey. Yeah. But he came back with all these skills that were already taught and that that he felt empowered with and yeah. did the reach out, which is yeah. amazing. It is amazing. Hannah, do you have do you have any stories that kind of wrap it up as far as kind of looking at, you know, that total experience and where where you see the joy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just piggybacking off of what Priya said, like I just see so much value in ABA therapy and the usage of it. I mean, from being a behavior technician, you don't shut those skills off. Like I still evaluate to this day with friends and family, like, hmm, I wonder what the function of this behavior is and should I reinforce this or should I give it attention or not? So, you know, you anyone can benefit from ABA, but um, specifically, I just loved so much seeing the progress with my clients. And I have so many stories, but the one that comes to mind is just um, a client that I worked with that was around five years old. And at the time we thought he was fully like nonverbal. Even his mom didn't realize that he had verbal abilities um, until he started going through ABA with us. And I remember the day that I realized that he had more ability than just pointing to the items that he wanted, that he could actually vocalize full sentences. And so it was during a time where I was pairing with him that we were sitting on the floor playing with dinosaurs. And I just had this idea to start like using my voice to pretend that I was the dinosaur and try and talk to him with the dinosaur voice. And he picks up a dinosaur and imitates the the sentence that I just asked him. I think I said something like, I can't say his name, but like, let's say he's Bobby. I was like, Bobby, how are you doing today? And he said, Bobby, how are you doing today? And so I, I, was, I looked around the room with other behavior technicians and they were like, did so-and-so just talk? And I was like, yeah, he just talked. And so I got my BCBA and we started um long story short, working on more manding and requiring kind of a little bit more push for that um, client to try instead of only, you know, saying, um, rewarding, like pointing to something, we would push a little bit harder for those vocal abilities. And so I just think that is an attribute to like why ABA is so important, especially for children um, on the spectrum or anyone that, you know, maybe struggles with communication skills is we want to empower people to be able to create those natural connections with others. Um, and sometimes it just takes maybe a certain intervention to help pull that out. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that was one of my favorite memories was just being able to see a client that we thought was nonverbal become verbal. 
I, I see the excitement on your face as you're still describing this. I mean, but that's that's what you get out of this job is that you get these lifelong memories where it's just, wow, you know, I got to experience that. I got to be a part of that. But I don't want to lose the fact that you did this through engaging them with play. You did this by finding their world, their motivation, and helping them to be able to utilize those skills in such a valuable way for them at that moment. And I think that those are things that we've learned throughout the years in ABA that now tailor us to say, who are the right people to start down this career path? And Danielle, maybe I'll shift gears just a little bit, but I do want, I want you to tell me, because I mean, we've heard two different stories, one from Priya and one from Hannah, on the value of being really able to join the child's world, to be able to demonstrate that, that a desire to say, I want to know who you are and I want to be there with you as you're growing through this process. So what would you say to people who are now trying to figure out, is this the right role for me? Am, am I going to be a, a good behavior technician? Am I going to be a behavior analyst someday? Is, is working with the, the field in autism my journey? What would you be telling them? Yeah, I think it comes down to having that passion, like having a passion for working with kids and the passion for like seeing those big wow moments, you know, um, in the role you get to be, you really get to see the fruits of your labor, like all the effort and work that you put in working with each of your kiddos, you see that during the session time. Um, you're part of the family, like the family, a lot of times around the kitchen table, you, as you're sharing like the highs and lows of the session, they tell you about like maybe you know, um, a great thing that happened over the weekend, a major breakthrough, or they'll tell you about a moment that is maybe um, discouraging or disappointing for the family and ways that you can help work them through that. So being a great communicator, someone who's passionate for the position and um, is invested in a way, is invested in seeing like the progress with the kids you're working with, um, the families that you're working with, and invested to the extent that you're willing and able to receive feedback, ask questions, and start to um, adapt and change. Like we said, when ABA started years ago, it was so different. So I'm sure a lot of the BTs who started back when I did, and they're now, you know, in the field trying to do things very differently now, they've had to adapt so much to, um, their approach to working with the kids. So being invested in getting that feedback, um, new, um, uh, able to receive uh, new information, new skills, like constantly learning. I think those are all very valuable uh, characteristics to have for someone who's wanting to move into this role. Well, I appreciate all three of you taking your time to be able to share your experiences with me today. And and there are so many roles within an organization that is providing ABA care. And I think that what I've heard from all of you is that the ability to be able to kind of take those small moments, being able to join people in their journey, the uh, opportunity to be able to kind of collaborate and be creative in a job are those, are those skill sets that, you know, are inherent to all great clinicians, 
but it, they're, they're a starting point to where you want to go. So thank you so much for joining. And I can see the passion is still there. So I know that all these skills resonate throughout your life as you go through it. So um, hopefully we can have you all back on sometime soon and we can talk more about some of these experiences. I love that. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week. Thank you.